This video was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, Star Wars Rebels and Ahsoka wouldn't exist. Learn more about the strike at the link in the description. What's up everyone and welcome back to our Star Wars Rebels rewatch, part two of four. <laughs> so far, we're doing great. <laughs> two weeks and two videos. We're cruising through this way better than we did for the Clone Wars. Yeah. This is this is nice. Yeah. This is nice. Yeah, only two more episodes to go. This is a lot a lot less to handle and I'm loving it. And I'm also really really enjoying the rewatch. So today as episode 2, we're going to be talking about season 2. And so before we get into the rewatch of it all, I wanted to ask you, do you have any memories of preparing for uh, Star Wars Rebels Season 2, back when we first saw it in 2015, is when Season 2 began airing. You know, I'm starting to think that I might just have a bad memory. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember a whole lot other than getting excited for Sarah Michelle Gellar being involved in the show. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, that makes sense. That's a big thing for you as a, as a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Yeah, learning that she was going to be coming in and voicing the seventh sister had me very, very excited. They were at Lucasfilm and they were like, how do we get Molly really into this show? And they were like, what if we get Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband? And you were like, mm, all right, nah. I'm, I'm interested. But then they were like, okay, Sarah Michelle Gellar herself. And you were like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And that meant that she ended up at a celebration and I got to meet her. So uh, yay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. That was a, a great day that we both got to go and have a photo op with Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I, I forget that he was even there. <laughs> you forgot I was there. <laughs> you just, you just had tunnel vision so on Sarah. It all happened so fast. <laughs> it did. It did. I'm sure you wanted to spend all day with her and run away together. but That, that might have been? been kidnapping. What but... <laughs> could have been? Well, I do remember as season two was about to come out, like actively watching the trailers for it, being excited about it. I had a much better attitude going into season two than I did season one uh, because I knew what the show was now and I I, I just got it. Mm -hmm. uh, I had also watched all of the Clone Wars in between uh, seasons one and two. Uh, so during that summertime, well, I guess really I just watched six seasons of the Clone Wars yeah, which is not interesting all of to it. think about. Yeah. We didn't know there was going to be more. Yeah. Uh, so that's fun. But I, I remember the Siege of Lothal coming out. I remember us watching it together, being psyched for it. I remember watching it again and then watching it again with our nephew. I think we talked about that last episode. Uh, so it, it was a much bigger deal to me throughout this season. I thought it did a great job of expanding into the larger galaxy and also. This was the first Star Wars TV show that I actively started to review episode by episode. And I don't think I started doing that until Shroud of Darkness. So even then, it like it took a while in the season. Then I was like, that episode was great. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about just this one. <laughs> right. And then that spiraled out into like, <laughs> now I should, look where we are. <laughs> I should cover all of these. <laughs> yeah. Why am I not doing that? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have really fond memories of season two coming out that was what seven years ago eight years ago my god it was it was eight years ago wow where does the time let's go? forget about that <laughs> let's forget about our age and talk about now today <laughs> live uh, in the now yeah we're gonna live forever it's gonna be fine mm. um <laughs> what what are your thoughts about season two as a whole now that we have finished re-watching it love it like it more than season one. I like that the scope of things gets bigger. The stakes get bigger. We have a lot of like new characters introduced and we get to see, you know, more of Vader, more of Ahsoka, not much more of Ahsoka, but you know, um, and yeah, I think, I think everyone's story progresses well throughout season two. And I especially like, a lot of Hera's stuff. She's just been on my mind ever since the new Ahsoka trailer dropped and been wondering how involved she's going to be in all this. But right off the bat, we see her as more of a leader. She Her confidence level just like skyrockets when she becomes Phoenix leader. Mm -hmm. And 
one of I don't want to get too far ahead, but like one of my favorites in this season is the episode with the B wing. Oh yeah, and just like that reminds me a lot of her as a little kid in the Bad Batch, and just like talking about how much she loves flying. I love it so much. So yeah, just seeing all the characters progress further in their storylines and and just learn more about themselves. It's it's. It's going well. It's going well. <laughs> yeah, there are there are seven more episodes in this season than there were in season one. Yeah. So we get to spend a little more time on individual characters. Like Zeb gets an episode that's largely about him. Sabine gets more focus. All of the characters just get a little bit more focus. Even Chopper gets a whole episode to himself. And <laughs> so I, I really do appreciate that. That I I, I kind of miss those days and i guess uh bad batch is still doing it. animated shows and star wars seem to still give us more episodes than the live action uh, but it, it, it's interesting because i think you get into when you have 22 episodes you really start to argue about what's filler and what's not instead of just enjoying the ride yeah, and i think the, the i dreaded I, filler word right right and i think i probably fell into that trap watching season two and now on the rewatch, I'm just watching the stories and I know what's coming and I'm enjoying them far more. Mm-hmm. And I can see what each episode is doing far more. And we'll, but we'll talk about filler when we get to the Pergil episode. I want to talk about that specifically. But uh, I also wanted to just agree with what you said about Hera. And I really love Kanan's journey alongside of her. Where at the start, he's like, I don't want to fight another war. I've been through one, and it was terrible. And mm-hmm. so I get his resistance to joining the rebellion. But because Hera does it so well, he like just comes along, and she's an inspiration in that way as, right. as team mother. Yeah. I also think it's really fun to go back and revisit this series now that we have seen The Clone Wars Season 7 and The Bad Patch and even Andor, like all of those series or seasons of television have touched upon things that Rebels touched upon. And I really love that Rebels will just act as if season seven of the Clone Wars happened. Mm -hmm. Like Maul and Ahsoka meet up at the end of the season and they know each other. They had never met up until- Lady Tano. Exactly. When it was season six and that was it of the Clone Wars, we did not know that they had ever met. And so, but Filoni was like, hey, this was the planned ending for the series. They met. They fought in the Siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Maul accuses of her of running away, which all she was doing was saving Rex. But yeah, <laughs> like, I, I like that he kept that consistent and true to what the original vision of the show was meant to be. So that when it did come out, we're like, yep, it matches. I love I, that. I wonder if he always knew that like, if I get the chance, I'm going to make season seven. So I'm going to go ahead and plant this here now because I have a feeling I'll be able to do it eventually. Like, I wonder if they knew, because, you know, animation gets worked on so, so far ahead of time. So who knows what the timeline of of creation is on yeah. all this stuff. But just like in Filoni's head, uh, no one actually knows what's ever going on in Filoni's head, but... <laughs> Just the cowboy hat knows. Just the cowboy hat. But yeah, I'm I'm just curious if he always knew that that was going to happen. And he was just like, I'm just going to set some of this stuff up now. Yeah, I think he probably, he didn't necessarily know, I would guess, that season seven was going to happen in that form. But like the Ahsoka book came out. Dark Disciple was exploring stories that were going to happen. So I think he was like, this story is going to be told eventually. So I I don't know that he knew that season seven of the Clone Wars would be a thing, but I I think he wanted to stay true to the original intentions at least. Yeah. But let's get into our next topic of discussion, which is something you brought up, and it is the exploration into the larger galaxy, which is... I think I talked about this in our last episode about how Star Wars television seems to do this in general. I think Rebels kind of set this model of season one focuses on a 
smaller group of characters. Like, let's introduce everyone, get to know them, and then at the end, yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin shows up, and there's Darth Vader as a tease for the next season, and there's Ahsoka. And so then in season two, they all step out of their smaller world, out of their bubble, and into the larger rebellion, Mm -hmm. and Darth Vader's here, and more Inquisitors. So did you have a favorite aspect of that you did already mention the being wing b wing which i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. i think that's a great one uh but did anything else jump out at you um i mean the, the inclusion of clones having having rex and all of them show up was huge for a lot of people and you know i'm i'm not like the biggest clone fanatic but i was excited to see them pop up and i i knew they were there um but then, you know, seeing them work together and having Kanan have that trepidation of mm. like, uh, I don't know about this. I don't feel good about this. You know, the them butting heads at first was really interesting to see. Right. And that's another thing that as we watched The Bad Batch and season seven of The Clone Wars, both of those added so much to those two episodes about the clones. Yeah. And I don't know if this really counts as like, Oh, I think it does. Broadening the story, but just having characters like that come into play just opens up the history even more. Yeah. Oh, I think it definitely counts because that's kind of what I'm talking about is that it's not just about the ghost crew anymore. It's about how the ghost crew interacts with the the clones. And that's a perfect thing of just Kanan struggling to trust them, which is completely understandable. But then now, especially after the Bad Batch and Clone Wars, we've seen what Rex went through, how he got his chip out. We still don't know (laughs) Gregor's full story, which I think is hilarious. But like, I'm excited to see Wolf in season three of the Bad Batch because he doesn't seem like he's quite all there in uh, in Star Wars Rebels. I mean, he, he seems very scared about uh, Jedi coming for revenge and Rex has to be like they're not your enemy you're here you're with us yeah he's I mean they all have some level of PTSD for sure but he seems to really be suffering right with it Gregor is like outwardly the kooky one but <laughs> I, I was really struck by what Wolf was going through this time around I didn't remember that yeah Gregor like his first thing that he is interested in is like oh that Zeb he could help us out. <laughs> yeah, he, he wants to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the the Jaws kind of <laughs> illusions in that episode. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about stuff like the B-Wing and the Interdictor Cruiser, big old ship nerd over mm-hmm. here. So I loved seeing stories that introduced ships that I recognize, like the B-Wing, keeping the idea that it was designed by Mon Calamari, like that was a Legends thing. And they found a way to work that in. I loved that little kooky guy too. Yeah, I forget Corey. His, yeah, him and like the the droid that he had was like a really cool design. It was like an R two unit with the clear dome. Uh, but how like just weird he was. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Just like I know how to design ships. I don't know how to fly him. Like <laughs> yeah. I hope it flies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the fact that they can wrap in lore and and expand the galaxy and teach us something new but also it is a personal story about Hera and her growth and Mm -hmm. what her goals are and it's a really great balance and the same with the interdictor cruiser where it's like yeah it's super neat to see that on screen now uh in a way that I, I don't think we had outside of like video games and comics but to see it as part of a story in Star Wars Rebels but also it's a story of growth and Kanan and Rex Mm-hmm. learning to rely on one another. Uh, I really enjoy when episodes can find that balance between cool Star Wars stuff that we nerd out about, but also at its core, it's a good story that means something. Right. And I, I like seeing Hera and the, the designer of the ship bond and eventually him allowing her to be the one to fly it because he, he's so like attached to it. He's like, no, this is my baby. But then he sees how much she appreciates flying and and the art of it and all. So I, I liked that little journey from that episode. And in the end, he really helps them out by installing a hyperdrive in oh yeah the the little ship <laughs> the Phantom the Phantom. 
So he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring up the episode Legacy because you made a great point. We've talked about in our season one discussion that you know, Rebels does cover a lot of the same themes as Andor, just not as mature, uh, which is understandable. But you talked about the moment we learn about Ezra and his parents and how they died, mm -hmm. and that basically they heard his uh, inspirational speech from Lothal, and then they were inspired by it. They started a prison break, got a bunch of people out, but they didn't make it. They died. Yeah. And very reminiscent of Andor. It's Andor. But Andor light. Yeah, and well, Andor for kids. <laughs> it's Andor, but we didn't have to see the heartbreak. Yeah. It's, I mean, we saw it on Ezra's face. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very real, but we didn't have to see the horror of it. And now, having seen Andor, you think about, like, they were probably in an Arkina 5 style prison in the white and orange jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. And uh, who knows on what planet it was at, but I, I imagine, like, a very similar can't swim kind of moment. Uh, and that just thinking about those two episodes makes it even more heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. And, and you wonder how many other people are out there trying to get their message out, their manifestos mm. out to the rest of the world's galaxy and inspire them to stand up and do something. Right. Oh, and you also likened Ezra to Nimic, which yeah. is like the uh, the young person with the inspiring words that help influence either Ezra's parents or Cassian and then Kino. And just like this chain of inspiration mm -hmm. is really neat. Uh, I also just wanted to bring up the little stuff that Rebels set up for us, uh, I wouldn't consider Leia a small thing, but just seeing her <laughs> as a part of the early rebellion and how she got along. Also, the first tense of what happened at Geonosis and mm. that the whole population was exterminated after they moved Death Star construction, which is like good timing because the second half of the season was 2016. So we were building up to Rogue One, and I think they were very conscious of that mm -hmm. and trying to thematically build into what was going to happen. Yeah. We also get a moment where, of Ahsoka talking about Anakin and mm -hmm. just very briefly saying like, yeah, I don't know what happened to him after Order 66. Last time I saw him, he was running off to save the Chancellor, another Clone Wars Season 7 connection. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, still right. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> still don't know. Her whole struggle with Darth Vader and like she knows the whole she time, knows. but she doesn't want to accept it. And then finally accepting it is yeah. really good. We'll, we'll get to that episode. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we want to talk extensively about that one because I think that's a, a favorite of both of ours. Um, but the last thing I wanted to touch on is the protector of Concord, Dawn, because... The same way that like the Geonosis stuff linked up with Rogue One. I just remember the day I, I double checked to make sure I was right on this, but the day the Protector of Concord Dawn episode aired with Finn Rao, a comic also came out in the Kanan, the last Padawan comic, and Finn Rao was in it. And it's during the Clone Wars and he saves Kanan and Depa Balaba from a droid attack. And then Kanan references it in the episode. It's so wild to to think back at something like a, a crossover like that happening in real time. Yeah. And it's it's such a little crossover thing. Like the amount of people that watch the shows versus the amount of people that read the comics is like night and day. So the small amount of people that got to experience both of those stories together are like their minds are just being blown. That's I remember. I don't remember which one I read first, <laughs> but I remember realizing that, that it was on the same day. I know I, I, I watched one and read one, and then I was like, oh, holy <laughs> bleep that, please. Like, <laughs> this all happened perfectly timed. And that that feels like it hasn't super happened again. And it, it, it feels, I don't know, just felt really good. And mm -hmm. kind of like what I was really hoping to see when they announced, like, we're resetting the canon and we're going to incorporate books and comics into the tv and into the movies and uh that was just like a perfect moment of 
it all worked out. It's a perfect and storm. I, and I can't events. imagine, especially having learned more about uh, publishing books and publishing comics and just how the industries work. I'm like, that was probably very difficult to do. Yeah. So I understand why it doesn't happen all the time. Difficult but to do. It was cool. But I feel like using a character like Finral made it easier because it's not a big, huge character crossover. Right. It's this one guy that they're like, wait, we can fit this person in to these two stories at the same time. Yeah. He, he is a pretty unobtrusive character in the comic issue. He basically just swoops in, helps out, and he's gone. He's like, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so it, it's not like it took away anything from the comic, but it, it really added to my experience as someone who was reading and watching everything. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and then also I said that was the last thing, but I also got to point out Malachor just because that's another Legends thing, and they changed quite a bit about it, but it's still neat. Yeah. I like Malachor, and it's kept popping up. But uh, let's move on to, into some specific episodes, and we wanted to talk about The Call, the Pergil episode, because that's an episode that's really changed my perspective on how I view Star Wars television, especially uh, with that filler word. Mm. Yeah. Well, filler... I think for me, it always makes me think of the fact that I am like so obsessed with shows like Buffy. And just for reference, Buffy is seven seasons and there's a lot of episodes in there. The first season is shorter than the rest of the seasons, but I, I frequently will rewatch that show. And because I love it so much, I came to realize every episode has meaning every episode counts you know there's some ones that like don't work as well aren't my favorites versus the ones that are my favorites but going through that with other tv shows has made me come to realize that like there is no filler for me at least like even if it's an episode that i don't enjoy i'm right. like this is enriching the story as a whole it's doing something there's something being said here that's worthwhile yeah and that's the thing and i don't know when that shift started to happen i think it had to be in the mid 90s i mean we're uh 80s babies so we that's kind of our experience so it may have happened before that but i just remember shows like x files and buffy that would have the monster of the week episode and then you'd also have the big conspiracy episode where the smoking man shows up or an mm -hmm. episode of Buffy where the big bad is here yeah, and something the, the is over, happening. Uh, overall story arc of the season, when, when those main episodes start connecting dots, you're like, okay, the rest, you know, some people will say, ah, oh, the rest of it's just filler. Right. I just want the banger episodes. Right, which, that's a good way to put it. And that's, I think that's what it is, like, People just expect to be blown away by every single episode. And if they're not, they're like, eh, this filler. And it's undeniable that like the Smoking Man episodes are the ones that you really, those are the ones that you, you go to school the next day and you're like, did you watch X-Files last night? Because <laughs> you should have. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> also back then. I don't you... ever remember hearing anyone say that, but, but sure. Well... <laughs> Well, he walked in different crowds than I did, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> uh, but then like shows like Lost, I think, also built off of that, where you're like, we didn't learn anything new about the hatch this week. I'm like, yeah. what, what is going on in there? Uh, but, you know, you want to spend time with the characters, too. And I, I have definitely still had moments where I'm like, okay, that episode, it's more that I didn't like that episode so much. And... I guess people want to put a label on it and they're like, ah, it was just filler. And it's like, no, there's going to be character development or something in it that will probably come up or come back. And the Pergil episode, I think, is like the perfect like illustration of that. Mm -hmm. You got to trust the process with these things. You know, creative minds work differently and there's there's always going to be little things that'll pop up and then might come back later. Yeah. And you'll never know that what it is that's going to come back, like the Pergil. And who knew? Like, who would have guessed that? I mean, they set up the series finale two years before it happened. Two and a half years, really, with like this weird 
whale episode, and it is it does tell us something about Ezra's character. But even on the rewatch, I was like, this is interesting. I'm I'm thinking more about filler and just how storytelling and television works. But I'm also like, it's not my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the most exciting. Well, I like that in this episode. When they see the Pergil, I think it's Hera that mm-hmm. it knows what they are. And then they start talking about them like they're mythological creatures. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of these creatures. That, And then by the end of the episode, they're like, wow, they can travel through hyperspace. Like, they saw the equivalent of a unicorn. And they were like, wow, that's real. And that's just <laughs> like a cool experience for people in this universe. And, and you, to get to get to go on that ride with them, it was fun. And you also have Hera, who the stories she has heard or the experiences she has had with them have been negative. Yeah. That, like, they, they're a menace. They crash into ships. I've lost friends, thanks to Pergil. Uh, but seeing Ezra able to connect with them through the Force, and Kanan is trusting Ezra, and Kanan is, like, taking jabs at Hera the whole time about, how, like, the Pergil keep kind of helping them and he's like wow that's so interesting Hera don't you think that's interesting (laughs) (laughs) I I really appreciated seeing her kind of on the back foot for once and Mm -hmm. Kanan obviously was enjoying that yeah uh and and then at the end Kanan wants her to be like more open-minded about the situation that they're in and not just assume that they're there to destroy the ship and then at the end, yeah, we see them all use hyperspace and everyone's like, wow, the legends were true. Mm. And kind of that idea that uh, Pergil were what inspired people to want to travel through hyperspace the same way that humans looked at birds and they were like, maybe we could do that. <laughs> like, I, I think that's a, a fun Star Wars-y connection. Mm-hmm. And then now we see the Pergil pop up in The Mandalorian and people freak out. They're so excited. Uh, to see them return and they're gonna be in Ahsoka like we've seen them in the trailer well I don't think people would have freaked out as much as they did if the Pergil hadn't have been a central part to the series finale agreed Rebels. agreed I mean you there's still would have had people be like oh my gosh the space whales are back yeah <laughs> but I, I do agree with you there uh but that's kind of why I have shifted my attitude because it's like these people these storytellers not always, but often they know what they're doing. <laughs> like yeah. they, they have a plan and they know where they're going. And I think Dave Filoni clearly did. And I'm surprised the Pergil didn't pop up more. Maybe they do and I just forget. But I I remember them in the series finale and being like, oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you couldn't have done that series finale Without this episode, people like to cry filler about or wanted to at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I love that. And I just remember that when there is an episode where my instinct is like, I feel like not much happened. I'm like, but, but. <laughs> in, a, in two and a half years, <laughs> I'll think back to this. It'll pay off. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to our discussion of uh, our favorite episode or episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we... The way I wrote this was like, let's talk about our favorite episode. And in parentheses, I wrote Twilight of the Apprentice because, come on. Like, yeah. I knew that was going to be your answer, too. Uh, and then I asked you, and it was, so I'm, I'm glad I assumed correctly. But mm-hmm. <laughs> let's talk about that. And then because that's kind of the default answer, it's one of the best episodes of the series, I think. We'll talk about our second favorites as well. Yeah. So I, th- I think we probably both have the same second favorite episodes oh well let's talk about twilight first oh, oh okay yeah. uh yeah these episodes are wild <laughs> i i keep saying that but we go to malachor and there's a freaking sith temple there like we get into so much sith lore in this episode that i don't think anyone was really expecting for a show like this i wasn't i mean like i, I guess it was three episodes before we got the tease of Yoda saying, go to Malachor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had to wait two episodes for them to actually do it. So I, th- that built up sufficient hype for me. But seeing the the wasteland of destruction, seeing the cross guard lightsaber, which was like we had, I guess, I guess at this point we had seen Rogue One, but it was still a nice connection back to The Force Awakens. 
it, it's just, again, that great balance of cool Star Wars stuff and lots of character things happening. Oh, yeah. Like everything comes together. All the Inquisitors, Vader's there, and Maul is there. Maul? I, I feel like that John Ralphio thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Inquisitors, Darth Vader, running, holocron, Maul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he pops up and you're like, why is he there? How did he get there? And we still don't know. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, just, just seeing him work alongside Ezra and how manipulative he is. You know, he's not super bad right off the bat. He's He's like trying to be kind of a good guy and like convince Ezra to like come with him because he can't open the the doors by himself i love that he's dark side yoda like the way that mm -hmm. yoda presents himself to ezra is kind Kane of and everything yeah as a false <laughs> version like one of the first things he says is put away your weapon i mean you no harm and he's talking with a different voice and acting a little crazier mm -hmm. and then like he's slowly dropping that facade as they get closer and closer to the holocron and eventually he's just like yeah, hoods off. I'm Maul. Hello. <laughs> he says to he tells Ezra to call him old master, mm -hmm. and you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> that was one. Of, I remember the. I think they may have done a trailer, either for the second half of season two or maybe just for the finale. But I remember old master was in it, and immediately people were like, brightness, contrast, crank that. Yep, that's Maul. That <laughs> was kind of like. It's hard oh, to hide a face like I that. I wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> I wish I hadn't been on Twitter that day or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I love all the, the Maul stuff and him kind of prodding at Ezra and being like, yeah, you need the strength to save your friends and pushing him to the dark side. And I I'll jump to the ending and then we can maybe jump back to the Vader Ahsoka stuff. But I love the the ending of Ezra opening the holocron. Mm. It's such a good tease. Because Kanan, is it Kanan that says no Jedi can open a Sith holocron? Like it has to be opened by the dark side. Yeah. And so you're just watching him go to the dark side. And, he, you know, he has some darkness in him in season three, but well, I, it's, it's I felt like of, it was implied that it was going to be a lot worse. It's part of like what we see uh, the temple guard tell Kanan that like his Padawan is going going to go to the dark side, and you can't like protect him forever. Yeah, yeah. So yes. that gets foreshadowed a couple episodes before all this. Yeah, and the something about the music that that's something else about season two that in general I feel like it found a its own musical identity. Season one, I did not remember how many recognizable Star Wars cues were in it. Mm -hmm. But season two, they're still around, but you had episodes like Legend of L the Lasat when they're flying into the star cluster, and the music is just very unique and different. And that music at the end of Twilight of the Apprentice gets me every time. Mm. Uh, just the silent watching Kanan and Ezra come home and like, Rex thinks that Ahsoka is dead and then like Kanan's blind and Ezra's yeah. opening up a holocron. You're like, what is happening? The things just like funnel into complete chaos mm -hmm. and you're left with this insane two part finale, just feeling empty and like, what did I just watch? It's it's <laughs> such a terrible cliffhanger, like a great cliffhanger, but like a gut wrenching one, especially the Ahsoka stuff. Yeah. Like it's so vague Things just end and she walks into the temple, some somewhere in the temple, and she's you can barely see her, but she walks in and you're like, what? And, yeah, is she like, alive? What is she that dead? Mean? Is that a ghost? Is this a metaphor? What's happening? Like, is she just venturing deeper into the dark side? I like I did not know what to think about it. Uh but man, the the fight between her and Vader is so good. Yeah, and she's like, I'm not gonna leave you this time. Because that's what she struggled with in that other previous set. When, when they're all in the Lothal uh, temple, she struggles with Anakin, this vision of Anakin being like, why did you leave me, Lola? And mm -hmm. so like she's like, not this time, buddy. Yeah. We're going to fight it out. And th this is an episode that I want to rewatch after the Ahsoka series because I get the sense that 
I'm like really glad we're doing this rewatch before Ahsoka because I'm like remembering all this stuff. I think she does feel guilt about leaving him. Mm -hmm. I think she feels some responsibility for his choices. She shouldn't. But I I think that she's going, oh, what could have been if I had stayed with the Jedi? Mm -hmm. Maybe I could have stopped this. Yeah. Um, And that moment of like, I won't leave you again. Then him being like, you will die. (laughs) Like he's not in there. Uh, I'm really curious to see what her mindset is after Malachor. I hope we get to see that. But Oh, we got to oh. talk about Vader's dramatic entrance. Oh, of course. Because he can't be dramatic enough with the cape and the voice and everything. He comes in on top of his TIE fighter, just standing there. So cool. Lightsaber out. Just total, I really, total drama queen. I really want to think... Or, or hear his inner monologue as he's flying to Malachor. He's like, okay, I'm going to see Ahsoka again. Uh, gotta, I got to do something big. I got to really make my entrance. He's like, what if I'll stand on top of the TIE fighter and it's going to fly down. My cape will be blowing. Like, Is there wind on Malachor? I, I assume he's got little magnetic on-off things on his boots. Otherwise, he'd be a little shaky up yeah. there. He's got little fans, too, to make sure that his cape <laughs> is blowing. And he's like, it'll be so wizard. And then he flies down. He's like, who's that child? It's not even Ahsoka. Dang it. Yeah. But I he ruined has, my entrance. He still has the boss line of "You will die braver than most." Yeah, that's that's good. When when Ezra says he's not afraid of him, mm-hmm. yeah, that's such a baller line. I also think we got to talk about the the kind of Obi Wan Kenobi connection where Ahsoka did it first. Ahsoka cut off yeah half of his face mask. How Technically, many? this is later in the timeline than Obi Wan. How many of those helmets do you think he's gone through? I know he's like not again, <laughs> <laughs> but. That's that's one of those interesting things where sometimes the live action will bump up against the animation where I'm sure there were discussions of like, we've done this before, but we do want Obi-Wan to be able to kind of face Anakin. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool when we did it in Star Wars Rebels. And also, let's be honest, not everyone in the Star Wars fandom saw Rebels. I mean, like most Star Wars fans just watch live action stuff. It's honestly so. the, I mean, there's a maybe a few other ways they could do it, but it's the only way you could have Obi-Wan seeing his real face, right? part of his real face, you know, for, for that reaction. And yeah, I, I'm sure they were like, yeah, we did this in Rebels, but imagine how cool it would look with Hayden Christensen I, behind I, the helmet. Yeah, I fully agree. They made the right decision. They should do it again. But the unfortunate flip side is for someone like me who just overthinks and overanalyzes everything, the second it happens, my mind is immediately like comparing it to Rebels. And I wish that's that's on me. I just wish that weren't the case. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think it's great hearing the the Matt Lanter, James Earl Jones voice just the, exactly like they did Hayden and James Earl Jones and Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. But that like, when when he uses his voice for the first time after his helmet gets chopped off. That's what I was about to talk about. She kind of perks up and she goes like Anakin and he has like a split moment. But then you see he has eyebrows, <laughs> which was like a big, <laughs> big controversy, big thing. Hold on. <laughs> uh, but it was there for a reason because you got to you had to show him going from kind of like slightly hopeful to angry mm. and you really need eyebrows for something like that especially in animation so yeah i love watching his eyes just jitter a little bit it's like she's trying to get through to him and it kind of works but not really yeah and that's i should have brought this up when at this point it was weeks ago but we talk about the difference in animation and live action and some things are just going to change they just are uh, and that's one of those choices that they knew. They knew Darth Vader didn't have eyebrows anymore, but to get the emotion of the scene across, they gave him eyebrows. I'm sure they, they tried it without it, and they were like, it's just not as good. And then we wind up getting questions for years of like, well, what's canon? Wh- what version of Vader is the canon version? I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> maybe. What's the eyebrow canon? Maybe Vader was experimenting with like <laughs> a just... specific kind of Rogaine and it, it grew back for like a couple days and then it all fell out again. He just microbladed. Yeah. He wanted to look pretty that day. 
He, he, did. he missed his eyebrows. He's like, I'm just going to try something. It's just for me. No one's going to see. He's like, no me. one's going to see this. I can do this for me. And then his face gets does, chopped off. He's like, dang it. Does he have fancy underwear on too? Yeah. It's just for me. Yeah. Ahsoka's like, did you draw your eyebrows on? <laughs> no. And that's what, and then he's I'm going to kill you. Okay. Well, I think that's a pretty good segue, the Ahsoka Anakin stuff into some of our second favorite episodes. I asked Molly, what are your second favorites? And she listed two, and I listed those exact same two. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Shroud of Darkness, which... I've already talked about it a few times. It's Um, it's the Lothal Temple episode of this season, and they're always good. (laughs) They are always good. It's just cool to see these characters go into a temple and have these visions and see see what they need to be seeing at the time and have it be foreshadowing so much stuff that's going to happen later. Uh, yeah, cool Force stuff. The Ahsoka, Vader, Anakin stuff is really great. And it shows her struggle of just not believing it. Yeah. And she knows, I think she has known since the Siege of Lothal. Like, Vader senses her and immediately goes, the apprentice lives. Mm-hmm. He knows. I think she knows too. But yeah. She can't fully believe it until I think Twilight of the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. I love the Kanan stuff, the the Temple Guard fight, yeah, yeah. And, and the revelation. I think that was the first time we learned that the Grand Inquisitor was a Temple Guard, and seeing him go through his Jedi trials—that's what I think those are—and pass and get knighted is super cool. Yeah, it's cool too that it was him to do it. Mm. Well. Kind of. I think like, it's cool. I think this is, I can't remember if this is just my interpretation. I believe on Rebels Recon, because that was like the fun after show mm-hmm. that they used to do. I miss those. I wish they would do an after show. That's what we for, do now. I know. That's our job now. But I like, I like to just watch after shows too. <laughs> I know. An official one would be fun. <laughs> I think Dave Filoni said that everything happening there was through Yoda. Yoda mm-hmm. was showing them what they needed to see so technically it's yoda knighting kanan but as but far as he kanan knew knows, he knew that if kanan saw it from this other character it would mean something different right yeah uh, there's a reason yoda chose the grand inquisitor uh, a former enemy so uh, I'll, I'll have to double check on that but i'm pretty sure someone in rebels recon was like that that's all yoda Obviously, it's Yoda talking to Ezra, but Yoda was also showing Kanan and Ahsoka what they needed to see. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong, just put like a big, he's wrong stamp on my face (laughs) in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's the only time we see Star Wars Rebels Yoda, which was Mm -hmm. another- Smooth Yoda. Bit of a controversy. Like, he does look a little odd. Yeah. They tried to marry the Clone Wars Yoda with the Ralph McQuarrie concept Yoda. Yeah. He looks like a, a knockoff Yoda a little bit to me, but that's ne- neither here nor there. I, I still like it. It's the voice that really sells it. And, yeah. And I I talk about this scene or these scenes all the time of Yoda's message to Ezra that winning is not as important as how you choose to win. Mm. And he's trying to get through Ezra's brain to to not be so concerned about killing Inquisitors. He's yeah. like, but it, it, Ezra raises great questions of is it wrong to fight when do you but that's what star wars is like knowing when it is the right time to fight this is a good time for us to be watching this too because we just finished clone wars where it kind of ends very ambiguously and like yoda's like was this all for nothing should we season six we should say season six yeah should we have not even gotten involved in all this and that's kind of what he's talking about in this episode like were we right to fight? Dunno. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is one of the biggest challenges of knowing when you are fighting for the right reasons, when you're fighting for yourself, for selfish reasons. Uh, so Ezra brings up great and valid points, and Yoda is doing his best, I think. But mm-hmm. I, I love that it, it kind of connects back to those season six episodes, and Yoda being like, I was afraid. And I couldn't even see it myself how afraid I was. Yeah. And I helped lead the Jedi astray. Mm-hmm. And the the connectivity there. 
it's weird that both those Lothal Temple episodes connect with season six so strongly. Yeah. I like that. The other favorite episode we wanted to talk about was the honorable ones. I remember being psyched for that one when they like announced a, the not the teaser, but the episode synopsis. It's It just said, Zeb and Callus get stuck on a moon and have to work <laughs> together to survive. And I was like, hell yes. That happens so frequently in stories. You know, you'll have a good guy and a bad guy stuck together in a situation and they're not immediately going to just kill each other. They're going to have to work together and help each other out in order to get out of this predicament. I loved that, <laughs> like from the start and then watching the episode itself, it did not disappoint. I liked them finding common ground. They also backpedal on Callus a little bit on his part yeah. in the destruction of Lasan. Yeah, he says he says talks about his unit that he was working with there and how like uh the the Lasat warriors like killed everybody but him. That was kind of a different part. Uh that he was that was on Onderon. He talked about a Saw Gerrera unit and a Lasat yeah. person uh killed all of his people, all the injured people. But he tells Zeb about it, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. And Zeb you can tell, like, has a little bit of pity for him for a moment. And and says, you can't judge all of us the same way. And Callus is like, would you say the same thing about Imperials? And But but the, the fact that Zeb starts to get through to him and Callus sees that he's on the wrong side. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know it yet, but knowing where he goes in this story. He hasn't this accepted is, it This yet. is definitely the start. Yeah. And when he watches Zeb get welcomed back into his family and they're all excited to see him. And he's like, you no one's going to come for us. The empire won't come for us. Yeah. But he somehow does get off and, and no one cares. Mm -hmm. Like he's limping around the hallways and they're just like, Hey, agent Callis, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a broken leg. Right. But no one cares if no. he, it would not have made a difference if he never made it back. And I, I like that he's starting to see that, mm -hmm. but it's just like in bad batch with crosshair. Right. Exactly. They don't. He doesn't realize that this family unit is so important, and the Empire does not care about him. If they lost him, they would just replace him. Yes, with it, someone it is with far less interesting, incredibly similar facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're through our favorite episodes, so I just wanted to run through some other notable moments that. I wrote down as we were watching them. First, let's talk about the future of the Force and the baby Athorian. <gasps> How did you feel about that? I had feelings. You cried. About that. I wasn't expect. I, I didn't remember that episode, so I wasn't expecting seeing the baby Athorian, and I didn't remember what it looked like, and it just caught me off guard, and I did cry a little bit. I warned you. I was like, cuties are coming. Get ready. There's babies in this you episode. You didn't warn me enough. <laughs> If I had told you there's a baby Athorian in the episode, I think you would have been like, ah, okay. It's probably ugly, whatever. Right. The second it pops up, you were just so happy. It's little round eyeballs. <laughs> so cute. So big. Uh, let's talk about Hondo Onaka. Mm, it's I his love return. Hondo. I didn't always love him, but when he pops up in this, he his swagger is unmatched, uh, and he he's hilarious. He is very confident despite having no pirate crew left. He's very different than we last saw him in the Clone Wars, where eventually he lost control of his pirate crew and he's just out on his own. Mm -hmm. But everything he says to Ezra, especially when they're double-crossing each other, and he's just so proud of Ezra. You mean Jabba? Right, Jabba. <laughs> there, there's a, a moment where Ezra declines to help him do something after he had just double-crossed them. Oh, wait, no. Does Ezra tell him that he's Lando in this one? Yeah, he does. You're Jabba, right, Lando, right. he's always lying about what his name is. You're right. <laughs> uh, but they, they refuse to help Hondo get off of like a space station, and Hondo's just like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're declining help, he's he just loves Ezra. He's like, I've taught you well. It's fun to see... Hondo growing through people like Katuni and the the Jedi younglings and now Ezra, all of these young Jedi characters getting through to him and changing him for the better. Yeah. A little bit. He's still a little <laughs> rascal, but you know, he, he's not 
heartless. Uh, I mentioned several of these before, so I'll skip them. Like flying into the star cluster, I really like that. Uh, I wanted to talk about Rex and Ahsoka reuniting, mm, which I thought was that hug. very moving. And now they're going to have to do it again, I assume, because Rex thinks that she died on Malachor. So I hope we get another heartwarming reunion <laughs> in Ahsoka with yeah. Tim Morrison. And uh, the last character I wanted to bring up was AP5 and his episode, because <laughs> I know you love AP5. Yeah, this was kind of Chopper's solo episode, but it became a cute little droid buddy cop movie. <laughs> buddy cop? Yeah, I guess a little bit. Uh, I-, I love Chopper pulling this Imperial droid to the rebellion. Yeah, and because no one appreciates him, and he's like, you know good at all these different things and they're just having ap5 what do inventory Yeah, they've taken his purpose away they keep threatening to destroy him <laughs> yeah it's the droid stories always get to me because you think again filler or this is just silly stuff for kids and then the, the story arcs for some of these droids get really deep that's a good good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Just Is there anything that stood out to you that didn't work? And I will bring up a droid thing because it's in the episode Blood Sisters. Oh, and <laughs> oh no. The, I was going to bring this up too. Yeah, there are... The, most of that episode takes place like on a transport with one of the Rex droids that pilots it and they power it down and choppers and control most of the time. Then Chopper's in danger, and Sabine makes this whole big deal about how Chopper is more than a droid, which we all agree. I think droids are more than just droids. They are people. Mm-hmm. And then she reactivates that droid, surrounds him with explosives. The pilot of the, the ship. Yeah, yeah, and sends him to destroy an Imperial <laughs> cruiser. And I was just like, you just said yeah. Chopper... You admitted that droids are more than just droids. Well, and then you sent that one to his death, and he was confused and scared. Yeah, it was it was awful to watch, to be honest. But at least when she turns him back on, she explains what's happening, and he is like, "Oh, I have a protocol for this. It's like an emergency thing." So I think he knows what's going to happen. I don't think so. Well, he doesn't th- know about she, the bombs. Yeah, I, I think she kind of tricks him first she says your ship is under attack or something and you need to follow your protocols and he says sure sure do and then he's like wait why are all these bombs here and he seems genuinely scared Mm, it's so sad hopefully his consciousness is uploaded to the star tours cloud (laughs) and they can yeah put him somewhere else yeah we do know that's possible but i just felt like that was a conflicting thing within minutes of each other yeah, I wonder if Sabine just doesn't feel the same way about droids as everybody else. She feels good about Chopper. She knows yeah. that he is important to her, but she needs to expand that to other droids. Uh, I also wanted to just talk about, I wouldn't have minded more Vader or Ahsoka because I forgot how little they were in this season. Mm-hmm. They're not in it much. I mean, I kind of appreciate that to be honest on a level i do too vader is vader and like anytime he's around it's a big big deal and so the more he's around the less mystique there is around him especially he can't be the one chasing after them and they can't keep escaping him so i i like that the inquisitors are his replacement in the story his henchmen right but i wouldn't have minded seeing more of what he was up to what was he thinking about after learning that ahsoka was alive stuff like that little little character beats would have been cool but Mm -hmm. i just forgot that ahsoka wasn't in this season as much as i remembered i was thinking like it's season two the ahsoka season yeah well but not really again i think it's about not wanting to use that character as a crutch Mm -hmm. or have her overshadow the main characters of their own show I agree with you there, but I think they could have done a little bit more. Okay. But it is great when she pops in and in the future of the Force episode and just handles the Inquisitors no problem. Yeah. They they use her very effectively when she's around. But I could have I could have stood to see a little more. 
interesting that you say that and then wasn't the biggest fan of the Ahsoka episode and Mando. Yeah. I but don't I know. get it. <laughs> it, it. It's interesting. I think my sensibilities are changing. But in, in that one, it was one episode. And this, it was like a whole season where I just think she could have been used a little bit more throughout the season. Yeah. Um, Was that all that you were going to... That's all that I have, if there's anything else you wanted to bring up. The spiders. <laughs> I don't like... Well, I don't like spiders anyways. But like, it just felt weird to me. And I, I, this is probably just because I know what happens later on, but that they couldn't, Ezra couldn't like use the force to like get through to them. And so they were just like butchering them the whole time. And, and I was just like, there's gotta be a way around this, right? Without like murdering all these innocent creatures. That's another Star Wars thing. It's very similar to the droids, I think, where yeah, Star Wars sometimes doesn't know what to do with droids or animals, where we're taught that nature is part of the force and all life is valuable, but then Cal Kestis is running around beheading those birds on Kobo. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I hate those birds, so good on you, Cal. But It's a mechanic, though, that you need for, especially for a video game, but in the show, you need adversaries. You need, like, uh, enemies for the main cast to fight. And it's easy when there's stormtroopers around because you're like, yeah, no, they're the bad guys uh, or inquisitors or whoever. But yeah, when it comes to animals and droids, they're not so clearly evil. And so I I get it, but I was kind of just bummed that they had to spend that whole episode just like slaughtering them or or trying to. Star Wars is like all life is valuable unless they're scary monsters. (laughs) Then you do what needs to be done. But that is part of the pulpiness of Star Wars, right. and you got to just find a middle ground. It's one of those story things that I, I to- totally agree with you, but you also just have to let it go because you're right. There needs to be some action and some scary, creepy crawlies or And it is nice whatever. that they didn't just like set them all on fire and leave. Like They figured it out that they don't like these little beacons, yeah. and then they kind of like use those to keep them away. Right. They do find a solution. Uh, but along the way, they are just, they're killing when it's kill or be killed. Yeah. So and there's it, a balance there. There's a few moments where, like, I feel like Rex and Kanan are having fun trying to blow them up. <laughs> Rex does do a really cool drop kick on one of them. Yeah. Re- He's Rex like, was... I'm just going to manhandle this one and see what happens. Oh, okay. To, to keep talking about that episode a little bit more. There were two characters that were kidnapped by the spiders, Rex and Lieutenant Dicer. They find (laughs) Rex and they're like, let's go. (laughs) You just found Rex alive. No one's going to look for Dicer. You're not going to find remains. You're just going to be like, well, she's probably been eaten, right? Oops. (laughs) They're just like, let's go. Yeah. Well, we're going to close out our discussion the same way we did last time, which is An update on the chopper (laughs) body count. So in season one, according to my count, uh, he killed seven beings. I think it was six stormtroopers and a droid. So I'll let you again guess how many people do you think chopper killed in season two? Uh, Did we figure out that whole ship that chopper took down? Did we figure it out? Did you figure it out? I figured it out. out. (laughs) Okay. Because I remember, which episode was that? That's Stealth Strike with the Interdictor Cruiser. Right. Uh, After that episode, I was like, oh my God, did Chopper kill an entire ship's crew worth of people? So body count, I don't know, upwards into the hundreds. Hundreds? Hundreds. Okay. So in that episode... I don't have any idea of like how big of a crew would be on that size of a cruiser. It's funny. In that episode, at first, I think he, he kills... Three people, probably. And so I wrote three down. And then the <laughs> he turns the interdictor cruiser on so that it not only destroys that, but it pulls two oh, Arquidens yeah. class cruisers <laughs> into it. So he destroys three ships. <laughs> and I looked up the uh, body count. So the breakdown for an interdictor cruiser, it, it has a crew of 2,887, s- supposedly, according to Wikipedia. Uh, the two Arquidens each have a crew of 850. 
<laughs> so uh so we're in well into the thousands yes but we do know that admiral titus survived he got <laughs> off in, a, in an escape pod so i did subtract one off of that number <laughs> one he's he 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 set off all the escape pods and he was in one of them and was just like no one else gets off right and then i think uh i added three back in but the or maybe i didn't because i think he does kill three others so that would be four thousand five hundred and eighty nine people in season two so his total is up to uh four thousand five hundred and ninety uh, oh, no, 4,600. Well, that actually turned out to be a nice round number. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. Chopper is... Uh, oh, wait, no, 4,596. Stop doing math. I can do math. Stop. I'm sorry. No one cares. We'll just estimate it to 4,600. <laughs> <laughs> Chopper's a little chaos bucket, and I love him. This is <laughs> This is when he went from, like... I'm protecting my family to Chopper the war criminal, I think. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wait a second. I can do a lot of damage here. Hold on. Let me do this real quick. It's funny that I, when we were watching season one, I was like, oh, he doesn't do as much as I remembered. And then we got to season two. And in one episode, I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. All right. But that's going to wrap up our <laughs> season two discussion. We will keep updating uh, the Chopper body count with season three. I'll try to get my math better. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for season two. So thank you all for hanging out and watching with us. Uh, let us know your thoughts on season two if you're rewatching it with us. Mm -hmm. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Threads. And consider checking out our Patreon page. As always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.